The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeer. And I'm Justin Lemmy. How are you guys doing this week? Good to see you all. I yeah, finally had a couple days too. off after all the graduation stuff for the university. So, Ooh, How was that? Uh, well, wait, wait, hold on. You never have a day off because you got a little <laughs> baby now. True. I finally got to spend time at home with the baby Ah, yes, <laughs> instead of go. being at work. That no, was so the university had their graduate, their big main graduation ceremonies, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? So uh, Friday, there was only two events. Saturday, between us and another vendor, we supported 27 events. Wow. Oh, wow. And then well, Sunday, was- we had the actual main, like, undergrad graduation and uh, arts and letters and a mass and all that stuff. So. I just I just saw something about a story. I don't remember exactly the name. Who was the famous football player who just graduated from Notre Dame? Like he, Jerome he's, Bettis. He's, yes. Whoa, there he goes. really? Jerome I didn't Bettis. know did, that. Did you get, did you yep, get to see he, him? I, so we've been, we've been following him, doing stories with him since he's been, because he technically came back to finish his degree, right? He came here yeah. as a football player, never finished his degree, went to the pros, and yeah. now he came back to get his degree. I don't remember what his degree but is did, in. Did he actually do in-person class or did he yes. only do on like yes. a, a he, lot he of was, celebrities? He's been, he's been here for the past, this whole last semester he's been here. Interesting. Because, you know, a lot of times celebrities, when they go back to, you know, quote unquote, finish their degree, they only do online because they don't, they, they're a celebrity. They don't want to interact with, you know, normal, regular people like us. So they just do it online. So I was interested to hear that you said Jerome Bettis actually attended classes in person. Yeah, you just go to just go to the university website. You know, uh, whatever our website is, und.com. Um, I, I don't even know where our website is. is. I don't know. Um, university of Notre Dame, Jerome Bettis. Google it; you'll find. It. And there are there are stories. There's they've been following him and doing updates to his story for the past several months while he's been here finishing his degree. So that's pretty cool. Um, that's Sunday, awesome. Sunday, Sunday, he was the the key the keynote speaker, if you will, for the university oh, sure. on Sunday. Now, who would be the most famous person? That went to the Rudy. university. No, don't say Rudy. <laughs> Would you know? From from pop culture, definitely Rudy. Yeah. Right? R- Rudy Rudiger, right? But it, it, for, for the most famous person, I mean, there's so many, right? You've got tons of high-level CEOs and uh, governmental figures. Um, if you're, okay, if you're talking on. in no, the government, name, name you know, some, you kind of Lisa Rice came here. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Admiral okay. Grady, who is the is – the, Oh, yeah. He's the like toppest, highest level uh, ad- admiral you can be in the Navy. Uh, that's pretty cool. He, he's a really great guy. His sons go here. Um, astronauts. Uh, astronauts' kids go here. Um, astronauts but go have some, gone here. Okay. okay, forget all the scientists and people that are actually meaning something to this Earth. Let's talk about celebrity. Okay, <laughs> how many how many celebrities have gone to Notre Dame? That you can mostly, name. mostly sports lot. people, right? So it'd be like Tim Brown. Um, I can't think of his Joe Theismann. Oh wow! Oh, wow, uh, yeah, really. A couple other big name football players. I can't think of right. It's just but mostly mostly football players. But uh, in terms of celebrities, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I know, okay. like right. for here for University of Arizona, we've had uh, Kate Walsh, Gary Shandling. I think Gary went to university. Yeah, he did. Um, uh, Gronk went to U of A. Yeah, Gronk Gronkowski went to U of A. Yeah, he actually came back and did uh, some stuff here, which is pretty cool, you know, to help out and kick off uh, a season. 
yeah. Oh, uh, here's it. here's the biggest. I just looked it up. The top notable yeah, graduates Notre Dame. Yep. Oh, there you go. The, the biggest one, and I this is I don't know why this escaped <laughs> me because it was such a it was such oh a big deal. Gosh. Was Amy Coney Barrett? Amy Coney Boy. Barrett, uh, justice. Oh, she, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, Supreme Court justice. justice. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I'm looking at this up right now. And who, who are you finding? I'm finding George Went. Norm. Norm from, from Cheers. Cheers. Wow. He went Nicholas there. Condoleezza Sparks. Rice. Hannah Storm. I don't know who that is. Hannah Storm. Joe Montana. Sports reporter. Yeah. Phil Donahue. Oh, there you go. Phil Donahue. Right. Yep. Nicholas Sparks, Regis, you mentioned. Regis Philbin. Regis oh, yeah. Phil there. Philbin. Yeah. Sorry. There's I a whole theater Regis. named after him. I should have seen. Is there really? I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, Re, the Regis Philbin Theater, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Richard Reel, the guy who starred. Uh, well, he's only really famous for The Office Space. He was the guy who was like. Uh, he invented the the jump to, jump to conclusions mat. Remember in Office Space? Gosh, no, I don't remember him. Oh, I love gosh. that movie um, too. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Yeah, it was a good one. Here, let me see if I can uh, do this here. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, he went there. Uh, let's see, Nick. Yeah, you said Nicholas Sparks already. Yeah, he wrote yeah. Uh, the Notebook. In case people listening are going, I don't know who Nicholas Sparks is. Uh, you know, we oh. might even have listeners here in Great Valley that went there. Oh, okay. You just sent me the picture of Richard Reel. I'm looking at him right now. That guy is super cool. Yeah, office space. He's the guy at the end that gets hit by a truck. Uh, but he was also in Deuce Bigelow. He was great in that as well. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. Mark Consuelos, who's famously married to uh, Kelly Ripa yeah. from the Ryan and Kelly show. Right. Uh, David Clinton. I don't know who that is. Downey Bill. Will, William Mapather. Well, that's, yeah. well... well Mapather is uh, Tom Cruise's like real name. Is it? Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's anyways. There, that's there's Tom a ton Cruise's... of famous people that went here. Uh, right? Is that you his can, brother? You can, you can look up cousin, all day. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think wow, that, I think that's Tom Cruise's cousin. He was in uh, Lost, and he's been in uh, Eth- yeah. yeah, yeah. He played Ethan in Lost. I remember that. Interesting. Wow, wow. Just uh, it's kind of cool. But it, how big is it? is it? Camp as big as it? I wonder if it's as big as the U of A. In, oh come on. Student wise or size wise? Yeah, size wise. Oh, I you've mean, sent me pictures before, and I've been it's pretty a decent, decent sized campus. I think there's like 8,200 undergrad students or something like that. It's not a very big. Do you, do you have a golf cart that you can drive around campus? Yes. Oh, yeah. oh that's cool. you do. You get a golf oh, cart. Yes. Wow. We have a van too to load all of our gear between venues, right? Yeah, so we yeah, have yeah. A right. Van to lo- but, but if um, you have to go, you know, general building to building, you got a golf cart you can go in or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, we need to change jobs. If we went from one side of campus to the other, (laughs) it would take us about eight to ten minutes, probably on a golf cart. On a golf cart, that is pretty neat. That is pretty cool. It's pretty, pretty, pretty big. I mean, yeah, maybe not eight to ten minutes, but it'd be you know walking across campus 15, 15, 20 minutes. Do you do you have um, do you have like radios that you can like call each Uh other on? There's our there's our segue right there. So yeah, here's our segue (laughs) to the radios. So it. Depends. You're welcome. Yes, they have a radio system in, in installed. I don't know the specs of it because we don't utilize it that much. But when we do events, we use a our intercom system. We have wireless radios for our intercom system that we connect oh, okay. via Ethernet and media converters via fiber to our home system in, in, our, in our building. But we can yeah. take an antenna anywhere we have connectivity on campus via Ethernet, get it connected to the same subnet that our radio system is on, and extend our... Oh, Riedel, use Riedel. Okay. Okay. So yeah. for our listeners, uh, who, and, and I want to explain where we're going. We're finally we're working into tech. We've done a whole U, uh, university talk, but here's here's how it is. We found out this week that Sean has been dabbling in ham radio. 
Well, at the same time, Justin reveals, oh my gosh, I am too. We hadn't even talked about this. So both of you guys are suddenly playing around with ham radio, amateur radio as they call it. But honestly, it's it's really a lot of fun, right? Yeah, yeah so, so I've I've been I've been playing around with it for a long time, right? It's I've always enjoyed using CB radios uh, and FR, you know, the blister pack radios you get at Walmart, those types of things, right? So and it's always yeah. been fun and things like that. And I, as I got more and more into technology in my job, we started using more and more radios, right? We started mm-hmm. using microwave radios, and we started using IFB transmitters and yep. wireless microphones, things like that, right? right? And I never really delved in, dove into it, right? So I would say probably two years ago, I, I just picked up, uh, actually, when we went out west, when we did our big trip out west, I just picked up a cheap, I just Googled cheap ham radio, cheap, you know, UHF, VHF radio, uh, and started looking into the Baofangs, which is a Chinese radio company yep. that makes cheap, dirt cheap well, transceiver radios. Well, I wouldn't say dirt cheap, but they're, they're the most popular they're the most popular because they're cheap. Yeah. And with that, you, it's kind of, you know, the nomenclature, right? You pay for what you get, right? So you're paying for a $25 radio. That comes with risks uh, in terms Wait, of... Wait, hold up. $25? Where did the you UV5, from? The UV5R you can get on Amazon for $25. Oh, okay. So I got the... Okay, yeah. Okay, I'll talk about that later. Never mind. Yeah, so the radio that I have, and I'm showing it to you, and I've got a, a different antenna on it. I've got a... a, a, a not stock antenna on it, but the UV5R is just a it's just a little handheld. Uh, they call them HTs, handy talkies. Uh, that's the, the 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 verbiage for them in the ham radio world. It's just a a simple UV UHF VHF uh, radio uh, yep. that'll also do FM uh, like radio stations. Um, it's got a battery. It's got an antenna. It comes with a you know a short little rubber duck antenna on it, but um, it's amazing when you start going on the internet for technology, right? And there are so many resources that you can go to, right? So I stumbled across this YouTube channel called Ham Radio Crash Course. And it was just, it opened up my my brain into a whole new world of how amateur radio is used around the world. And I recommend if anybody's interested at all in ham radio or getting into the, the radios or any part of it to go check out ham radio crash course on YouTube. So, so I, I actually just got into this. Uh, it, was, it was like actually just last week. What, I, now what made you decide to, to get into it? To be honest, I don't remember exactly what the reason was behind it. I just, uh, I, I was at work and I decided to look at something. I, I don't remember. It, it might've been like a Reddit post or something. But I was like, oh yeah, ham radio. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember. I remember going up one day. I was living in San Diego. We were walking by the, uh, the 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 local park there, and there was like a big tent set up with a tower, and there was a bunch of people around, maybe like twenty or thirty people hanging around. And I'm like, what's what is this? What's going on? And they're like, oh, it's a ham radio like meetup, and and we do ham radio stuff. And you know, some of, some of the people were at, at the time, you know. Talking to some of the people, they were like really antisocial, like very basement dwelling nerds, you know, if you yeah. would, you would, but, but, but a lot of them were really, really cool. And so I was like, oh, ham radio. Okay. Awesome. But then I, I, I don't know. I must've been like a, a Reddit post or something I saw. And I was like, you know what? That'd be kind of cool to get into ham yeah. radio. So I started looking into it. Now, 
Fun, real quick, fun fact. Do you, did, Sean, do you know, or even Andy, really, do you know where the word ham came from when it talks to ham radio? Do you know where it originated? Well, I was going to say a pig. <laughs> well, close. I, I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. So, so the thing, the, the, the official correct answer on that is no one knows the exact truth where it came from. However, it has been widely contributed to back in the day when uh, you would have radio operators on the east and west coast of the United States that were trying to communicate with each other. You would have these amateur radio enthusiasts. Remember, back then it was only Morse code, right? So you had telegraph oh, operators. So you would get the and you still hear that on some ham channels, right? Oh, you always hear it. Now I'll explain. I'll yeah, it's very popular, but I'll also explain why later. But you would have these amateur people that would get on the same frequency, and they would interrupt the communications between the east and west coast. And the popular term for them on Morse code was they were ham fisted. So, like, they had a ham for a fist because they couldn't do the beep-beep-beep-beep. It'd be just like beep-beep-beep-beep-beep-beep. Oh. They were just slamming down the keys to make the sound. So it would be called ham-fisted. And so that became the derogatory term for amateur radio enthusiasts was ham-fisted radio operators. But then going for years and years, finally, these amateur radio enthusiasts adopted the terminology of ham that they, they they made it their own. Instead of being a derogatory term, they made it into an affirmative term that would say, hey, we are amateur radio enthusiasts. They call us ham radio operators. Um, so that's kind of where the idea behind ham came about. But, um, you know, you were mentioning Morse code, and, and there are. There, there are a lot of different channels you can listen to and, and things like that where you can have voice channels where people will get on, they have these things called nets, and it's like, like a network. And so every morning, every morning at 8 a.m. local time in Denver, I turn on my radio, and I hear the Worldwide Friendship Network. And it's just random people from all over the, all over the United States that will jump on the channel, and they're just going to literally talk about their day. Like, I mean, I, honestly, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's the most boring conversation ever. But it's not about the conversation. It's about the idea of being able to talk to somebody uh, thousands of miles away. We're using a handheld radio. And, and the way you do it is with these handhelds, like the Baofeng, like Sean and I have, is that we're not talking directly to them. What we're talking through is a repeater. And that is a large antenna, kind of like your standard radio antenna right. that you would see on a mountaintop or something like that. What we're doing is we're... These little tiny handheld radios, these handy talkies or HTs, are talking to the repeater on top of a mountain, and either that repeater then is going to broadcast our signal or, or, or receive our signal for anybody who's in like, I don't know, a 10 or 20 kilometer radius, or they have some of these repeaters are actually connected to the internet, and they have then an internet network of of other repeaters so people in south carolina north carolina new york uh oregon uh idaho uh new mexico colorado uh nebraska these people are jumping on and they're talking about their day and again i mentioned that the conversations are boring because people are literally like they're older people too by the way they're like 
you know, in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, because ham radio is kind of a dying trend, but hopefully people can bring it back. But anyway, these older folk are talking about like, well, today I went out to the doctor and I, I talked about my knee and and Mabel and I are going to go out and visit the uh, the lake this afternoon. And this other guy will jump on and be like, well, I mowed my lawn today and I noticed that I did it a little bit too short. And, and now I'm going to have to wait for the grass to grow back. I mean, it's the most boring conversation you can ever imagine. But again, it's not about what they're saying. It's about how we're doing it. But but don't you think, and I kind of wonder, you, you say mentioned dying out, but then, you know, it'd be cool if it came back. Hasn't the internet kind of, change that with well that's with thing. sites like clubhouse and I'll let sean answer this one you've got clubhouse and you've got you know these other social networks that allow you to have these conversations well, i mean hasn't that okay. kind of taken away from that well yeah because it's easy to do and you have a you have a user user interface right so it's easy to jump on the internet and talk to people back and forth right right and it's easy to just jump on and turn on your microphone and turn on your but it's there's something about connecting and just talking through a radio and you can connect them to your computer and you can use those to talk on nets that live on the internet. There are ways to transmit via your radio on the internet, pictures, images, text messages, yep. all sorts of stuff. So, uh, it's well, but there's, not, there's one more important do, fact though. But what is that? The, there's one more important fact. The whole purpose of ham radio and amateur radio is what happens in the event of a major c- catastrophe. What happens if the internet goes down? What happens if our cell phones go down? Guess what? The only thing that's going to work is ham radio. Amateur radio. Yeah. Amateur radio is going to work. And that's why during major emergencies, such as 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, uh, the Joplin, Missouri uh, tornadoes. I remember the the earthquakes earthquakes in California. The earthquakes in California. They call upon ham radio operators to coordinate emergency services. Because wow. that's what that's what still works. Because we don't need anything to make ham radio work, except electricity. But then again, if you have uh, a handheld radio that's fully charged and maybe a, a couple extra battery packs, and the other person on the other end has the same handheld radio and a couple extra battery packs, you guys can talk and coordinate emergency services without the use of any type of other technology. Because radio waves will never go away. They're a part of Earth. Now, how do you like, say you've got one of these ham- these radios, right? And you're somewhere uh, at an event and you want to talk to somebody maybe in Kansas. Do you have to have their frequency? Like, you know, like you have an IP number. I'm going to connect to this IP, except it's a frequency. Right. So the way you would talk to somebody in Kansas, right, for one, to talk on anything that is in the ham bands, right, the ham radio bands, right? They There are bands... There are specific sets of frequencies called bands, right? You've got the citizens band. You've got the family radio service, which is called FRS, which is like if you went to Walmart, picked out a blister pack radio, that's going to be in the FRS band, right? Then you've got the GRMS, which is the – I don't remember exactly what it stands for, but it's another set of frequencies that is – also for public use, but you have Isn't to have a general maritime real, or something. Uh, it's something, but you have to have, there, there are certain frequencies within that GRMS you have to be licensed for. It's not as ex- advanced as ham radio, but it's just another set of frequencies that are not as, not as uh, free to use. It was right. Then you get into the ham bands, right? The ham bands, you have to, to, to transmit on ham bands in the, the two meter 
the 70 centimeter, you know, those types, you have to have a license, right? Okay. So you can't just if you don't, go to the store, buy this and start transmitting. You, yeah, you can, you, you can, you can do that, right? But there are rules and regulations and you have to be licensed, right? So if you wanted to talk to someone from Kansas, you can listen all day long. You can get one of these yeah. radios and, 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 and tune it in and listen all day long. So I'm just going to assume that you have your license. You've already gone through the steps. You have your license. To listen or talk to somebody from Kansas, you either coordinate through a group or you go to a website called like something like repeaterbook.com or radio reference, which will give you frequencies and the offsets and things you need to know to connect to repeaters in your area that will kind of give you an idea of these are the repeaters in my area. You can program them onto your radio and then set your radio to scan those frequencies for activity. Wow. That's yep. what Justin, that's what that Justin's been cool. doing. Yeah. He's just been setting it to scan and he just happened yep. to find an active thing at eight o'clock in the morning. Right. Yep. I set mine to scan when I'm driving and more often than not 4 PM to 6 PM, I pick up stuff all the way from Arizona, California, New York. It, it all depends, right? Now, could you and but Justin? It, could you and Justin have a conversation? Yeah. So we are we are going to try that, right? Once Justin gets his license, Once I'm taking my, my license, test yeah. in in four days, right? So as the, as the recording as the recording of this episode, I'm taking my test in four days. Nice. So once once I pass the test, and once I get you know it goes through the process and I pay the fee and all that stuff, I will be able to transmit on repeaters. I'm yeah. hoping that Justin and I, at least we can coordinate it so I can talk on a repeater and see if somehow he can yeah. hear me out in Colorado. Yeah, now that, that's 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 what I want to do. Now, I want to I want to touch base a little bit about the the whole idea behind the license. Now, why 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 would somebody need a license? Why what what stops me from just being able to just press that talk button and start talking? Well, honestly, nothing, nothing stops you from doing it. However, if you are unlicensed and you start talking on any frequency in the ham bands or anything other than the 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 handheld radio, like you like Sean was said, you can buy at like Walmart the two two way radio. If you free, if you transmit on any of those frequencies, and you're caught by the FCC, because again they do have triangulation technology where they they can triangulate based on towers and also vans that drive around and coordinate frequencies. If they catch you and you're unlicensed, you can face up to thousands of dollars in fines or even years in jail. Wow. So yeah, they take because, it very you know, seriously. There are, you know, there is what's called a frequency coordinator, right? So in my area, there's a, a club that has appointed a frequency coordinator who works with government agencies in the cities all in this area, in the Michigan area, to coordinate what is on what frequency, typical use times for certain frequencies, frequencies that you know you can jump on and just do Morse code, which is called CW also. Um, they do digital nets. They do analog nets. It, it's all coordinated. So there are coordination plans. So you, if you're going to do amateur radio, you're going to want to do a little bit of research into the use in your area because while it's not easy to get into this and, and transmit, somebody can't just go buy a radio and transmit right now. Don't, I'm not trying to scare anybody by saying go buy a radio from Walmart and transmit, right? Those aren't 
licensed frequencies if you're buying those radios from Walmart. Yeah. Okay. Those are those are free to use radios, just like CB radios in trucks that have been used for years, right? Yeah. Citizen band radios or FRS radios. Um, but it's just getting into it and kind of trying to understand how the repeaters are used and how they talk to one each other and things like that. And uh, definitely have to do your research to get into this. Yeah, now I know that here in Green Valley, there is an amateur radio club. And if any of our listeners uh, that are listening on KGVI want to look into that, uh, you know, probably either just look for Amateur Radio Club Green Valley. Actually, I have the website for you, the Green Valley Amateur Radio Club. Uh, you can find them on the web at gvarc.us. Now, you'll find out all about their projects, their activities, some of the members, when their meetings are. And again, all of that available online, that website address, gvarc.us. So if somebody wants to get into this, right? So say they say, I want to do this. Have you guys looked at long-term costs as far as, you know, to start? Oh. What what are they looking at investment-wise? Well, uh, so if you want to get started in amateur radio, uh, what, what basically what I spent, and I've got the upgraded version of what Sean has. Right. So Sean has the Baofeng uh, UV5. Is that what you called it? UV5? UV5R. UV5R. I have the Baofeng BF F8HP which is just basically the exact same thing as what Sean has, except it's a little bit more powerful. And again, I also have uh, the aftermarket antenna, not anything like Sean has. Sean has a much more powerful antenna. His um, antenna could get stuff off my roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this right here, this radio itself cost me $69 on Amazon. The antenna, the aftermarket antenna cost me $20. Then... I bought a programming cable that will connect my radio via USB to the computer. And from there, I install a software called Chirp. And Chirp will allow me to basically program the radio as I see fit. It's much easier to use the software to program the radio. When I say program, I mean like um, putting in the frequencies that I want to listen to and, and things like that. So I can program it much easier via the computer and then download it to the radio, or I can even make a backup of the frequencies that are on the radio and store it on my computer. So if I want to make a change and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be in Australia this week. I want to program Australian you know, radio frequencies. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, I can do that, and I can still save my backup of my home radio frequencies. One thing I wanted to mention real quick is, You've probably been around, driving around at one point. You've probably seen those one-off homes in the middle of, you know, wherever you're driving around that have this giant antenna right. sticking out the back of your house, right? Or back of the house. And you're probably like, wow, that is one crazy-looking TV antenna, right? I mean, they're, 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 they could be just simply as a, a straight-up stick in the air with some guy wires, or it could be a full-on mast, uh, a mast or a tower, Right. Those are ham radio operators, and those are the serious individuals. Those guys have usually have full racks of equipment in their home. They've got those are usually radios. those are usually the guys that are doing high frequency stuff, right? So the, right. the yeah, radios that Justin and I Justin and I have shown you on here are UHF and VHF radios. Now yeah, I know that very it, high frequency and ultra high frequency. With your love high of frequency, wait, wait, I was going to say with Sean's love of the space program. You could actually dial in the space station, couldn't you? 
Well, with this, not only with that, this radio. So that's my. So I'm traveling for Memorial Day weekend coming up, right? Right. Space station is going to be going over several times. I'm pushing myself. To, I I told myself I want to get my. I've been wanting to do it for a long time, right? And I keep pushing it off. I keep saying I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. Finally, I just committed to it because I want to talk to the space station or hear from the space station, right? That's cool. So. There are multiple ways you can do that, right? You can try and call them, right? But they're busy, right? They, they a lot of stuff going on. Or, it, but if it's if it's at night, you have a higher chance of actually getting a contact with them. But they also transmit what they call call SSTV, slow scan television. So think of the sounds of an old modem connecting to the internet, right? right? Yeah. You tune to the frequency of the slow scan TV transmitter on the ISS. Plug your output into a computer or actually use an iPad or an iPhone and put it right next to it with the iPad listen. Yeah, you can just use the speaker and have your phone listen to it. And your phone will decode the images transmitted from the space station. Oh, now that's cool. That is yeah. pretty so, awesome. Um, there are ways to do that. Um, there are, are also but, times where they say that you can actually transmit and receive calls from the space station. But I, 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 I did that is that right there. That is alone is, is an amazing feat if you can do that. But however, I, I did want to keep touching on the guys that have these giant towers in the back. They are doing HF, which is high frequency. So it's it's the lower frequencies than what we have in our handheld radios with the UHF and the VHF. High frequencies also have the ability to bounce signals off of the moon. You can actually have an antenna pointed at the moon. And you can send a transmission towards the moon and have it bounced back to you, uh, you know, a minute or two later. And and you can hear yourself based on just having one of these. Oh, not one of these. These are the handhelds. But if you have a high frequency, nice. you can do that. And high frequency also can penetrate the uh, atmosphere. That's how people can talk intercontinental. So you can have somebody in America talk to somebody in Ukraine or in Japan or in South America because it uses you're high bouncing frequency. it off. You're bouncing it off the ionosphere. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So so high high frequency is where the real fun begins, but it requires a lot of infrastructure and a lot of money. All right, we got to take power. a break. And power. We got to take a break. But uh, is there one website? Think about this. When we come back, we'll find out a website that you could go to to find out more about this. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin. Let me find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. Now, we were talking about ham radio or amateur radio, if you will. Uh, we were talking about the cost to get involved into it. Now, again, I mentioned my radio was like $69 or so. The antenna was like 20 the, the programming cable was like 20 or so. So you're looking at like 100, 120 bucks or so to get into it. But what does it cost to get the, the test, to get certified in ham radio? And that is a cost. Well, if you, if you want to use this completely online resources, uh, the test itself is $40. But now there's a website that Sean mentioned. Sean, mention the website that you think that people can listen to or watch and get a lot of information that would help them on their test. So I'm gonna I'm gonna list three things, right? So the the thing that's given me the most value of of my time and, and of knowledge is it, he's his name is Josh Nass. 
He's a ham operator. Uh, he owns a website called Ham Radio Crash Course. It's also his YouTube channel. He has tons and tons and tons of great, very basic, down-to-earth radio we courses, should, right? You, you can go on, the, on his we website. Get on the show. I would love to. I think he, he would love to do it. He does his own podcast, so there might be some conflict there. But um, Ham Radio Crash Course is great. Uh, right. it's, it, but his YouTube channel is free, right? So all of this is on, available free or you can go to his podcast or you can subscribe to his discord channel and get invited to all this stuff. Um, but I, one of the first things I want to do when I get my license is join one of their weekly nets, one of their weekly HF nets or UHF nets where they just jump on and talk. But you don't have an HF radio. I'm getting one. Ah, ah, okay. Are you going to put a huge is, antenna in your yard? So where my satellite dish is, I don't use satellite, but I never took the satellite down or off because I didn't want to leave holes in my roof, right? There is still coax run to that position. Oh, that's yeah. kind of cool. So I'm going to have it because it lives literally right here behind this other door, right? So I'm going to terminate it and allow it to get plugged into a radio and then extend well, an antenna up onto my roof. So now how big of an antenna are you going to do? I don't know yet. I haven't gotten that far. Yeah. Okay, so the one thing I was going to mention, I do remember this real quick, is that I was looking it up based on HOAs. You know, a lot of people ah, live in HOAs, yeah. they right. can't do it, right? So here's the thing. I looked it up. HOAs cannot legally prevent you from putting up an antenna used for amateur radio because you classify as emergency services. Hmm. They cannot prevent you from putting up an antenna, but it has to be within the legal height. I think the highest you can go is 60 foot. It has to fit but, in no. with, it has to fit in with your local electric code. 60 foot is kind of big. Yeah. Yeah. It's a 60 foot antenna. It's pretty big. And it, it, but the thing is, is what you're not going to have a problem with is your HOA because they can't stop you. What you are going to have a problem with is your neighbors because they're going to complain, complain, complain about the look of your house with a giant 60 foot antenna sticking out the back. Yeah. And that big pirate flag you have hanging from it. Not, nothing. nothing. <laughs> anyway, so H ham radio crash course. All right. And then the app, the, the best app you can get, and it's also a website, is called hamstudy.org. All right. Great. Hamstudy.org is the best website for getting training on to, to take your technician exam. It's free to use. Uh, it's how I've been doing all my training. I have the app. So when I'm when I'm Max is sleeping on me or I'm walking him around, I'm just going through the tests. Swiping through, answering the questions, and so. Yep. All right. Good. Good tips. Now, while we're on that, you know, you you have get a license for that. Uh, drones have suddenly started to pique everybody's interest again, especially with this week's introduction or this past week's introduction of the DJI Mini Three Pro, uh, which is a small, kind of a very small, two hundred forty nine grams, very, very small, like eight ounces is what that is. Uh, drone. That has a not only a rotating, you know, vertical rotating uh, gimbal on it, does um, 48 megapixel raw images. Now, raw basically means uncompressed photo, which is going to give you more, more photo. Uh, it will give you more capabilities when coming up with uh, maybe editing that photo or fine tuning that photo. Three. Mini 3 Pro. The, the Mini 3 yeah. Pro, yeah. So it's it weighs. Uh, I don't know if this has, the, it says takeoff weight. So I'm assuming it has a battery, 895 grams. And that's with the battery. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's with the battery. Uh, and it's unfolded length width height is really, it's a really, really small footprint. It would, it's, 
you can take it off in the palm of your hand. Um, they went with, uh, so DJ, DJI has partnered previously with, with Zeiss lenses. Yeah. Uh, but they have been more recently using Hasselblad cameras. If you know anything about cameras, Hasselblad is one of the top camera production companies in the world, right? Yeah. They make some of the best medium format cameras and high, high you know, large format cameras, all that stuff. So, um, it's yeah, it's amazing what what their resolutions are doing. It's packed with ProRes, ProRes uh, 5K, H two six four 5K, H two six five 5K, sixty uh, frames I mean, per second 4K. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, it's full HD at two hundred frames per second. I mean, it's just crazy. One uh, one of the things do, you can do ProRes at, or max video bit rate at H two six four is two hundred meg. Right. So it's it's crazy it's crazy what they're packing into these sensors and into these cameras and just it's amazing the quality you can get out of such a now, little I, I think thing. it's important to note that while this unit is going to sell for around 700 bucks the re, the remote controller the new RC which is that's the game changer I mean yes this drone has got some great features with the 4K the raw images the ability to fly it's got the um the tri object censoring on it I think that I don't know the actual name for it but say you've got a, you've got, and I showed this on television a couple weeks ago. You've got the a log, and then you've got a log underneath it. It can fly through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where before the object avoidance might make it kind of stop and go around it, the object avoidance is still a part of it. But with this tri object censoring, you can now actually have it go through uh, something, or you know, get even closer to an image. Yeah, so they've got two controller options for this new. Yeah, and they've got your normal controller. Like if you, if you're if you have experience with the Mavic or the Mini, or um, even the 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 Phantoms, right? They had the controller, and then you mounted your phone to it, and you connected to your phone via USB. Yeah, and that's how you got your data and all that video and everything. So they still have that option, but they also have a new controller that has a built-in screen. You don't have. You just pull out the controller. You turn it on. You go. No and more plugging your phone. It's a 1080p in. screen too. It's a, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Just if you go to DJI.com Mini Three, it's it's insane. And you know, with everything that it's been coming out in the broadcast world, it's it's all about instant sharing, right? So it's like everything's connected to the cloud. You can instant share right from the drone if you have internet. It's you can share right to your Instagram. You can do YouTube videos. You can go live. You can. It's crazy what you can do with with drones these days. And uh, now the RC, it should be important to note, though, is an extra cost. It doesn't come with it with this new controller. Uh, but to get the controller and the drone, the package is going to be still less than $1,000. Now, it's important to note, though, now you would still need a certification for this if you were going to fly it and charge people. So, like, if you say, hey, I can do real estate video now. Because a lot of people want to see what it looks like from from the air if you're selling your home. Yep. Yep. But once you start charging, professionally you have to become certified. So yes, yes. there is an F, F, F I almost said FCC because we were talking about ham radio before, an FAA requirement that you have to get registered. Now, when I first did this, it was very complicated. And Justin can attest to this. It was very, very complicated to get a drone license. Yeah. You had to go through the FAA. You had to take a pilot's test. You had to get certified. You had to go to the airport to take another test. You had to do all this stuff. Now it's almost as easy as just literally registering and then using what they call the LANK system, which is where you put in where you're going to fly, how long you're going to be up, and it'll immediately tell you, yes, you can fly here or no, you can't. It's right. immediate really? authorization now to do that. 
Wait, so so you don't need a part seven anymore? I don't believe you need. I don't believe you technically need the part one hundred seven anymore. It's been a while since I've done research sorry. on this, but they've made it so easy with the FAA to do this. It's 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 almost. As, I believe it's just as easy as registering, taking a small exam, and then using the Lang system to get immediate authorization. The other the other thing about this too is DJI. While this is really for the the consumer, they have some more prosumer units that are out there that are a lot more money. One of them they just recently released that's right around, what, six grand that has some amazing features on it. Um, and I'm thinking, could this be a great way for DJI to get people reinvigorated about flying a drone, get them excited about it, see this amazing footage, because it is really, truly spectacular, and then get them to move up into these other areas where they could get longer flight time. And I, I believe with this one, you get 48 minutes. My son's first drone was six minutes, you know? Um, oh, I mean, just the, just the capacity, just the battery technology from when I bought my first drone in, in 2012 to now is incredible, right? My Phantom, I think I could fly for like a maximum of 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was right? pretty weak back and, then. And then it was a, uh, you're coming home or it's coming home on its own. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it's it's incredible, and it just keeps getting smaller. And I, I think the the biggest improvement overall is the math, the compression algorithms that are now using to be able to get ProRes and H.264 and RAW and these these incredible image qualities out of these cameras and storage. It's just incredible what they have been able to do and how small they've been able to make things. All right, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, That website, again, is DJI.com. Look for the info. I believe they're going to be available by the end of the month. They're taking the pre-orders now. But if you've been wanting to really get into it, and that's been the thing, you know, this might be the one to get you started. Definitely. DJI.com. We'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Send us a tweet at Tech Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Now, back to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. During the break, Andy had a question for us, but he wouldn't tell us <laughs> yeah, what you, it was. I wanted to ask you guys a question. You were like, save it for the show. I'm like, come on, yeah. just answer me. Okay, so a friend of mine got herself a laptop, and she wanted to pull the hard drive out of it and just put a new drive in, put an SSD in. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a license for Windows, and the other license was scrubbed off the laptop. So uh, she had asked me, and I said, you know what? I don't know. i got to look into that. She wanted to know if I had a copy of Windows 10, which I do, but I said it's licensed to me. Can I, and she's willing to pay for uh, a license. Can I install it with Windows 10 on mine and then buy a license through Microsoft? Can they? Do they let you do that right there online? Well, yeah. So if you use the media creation tool. Right. And you just install it. So it, this, is, this is how I've done it in the past. I install a media creation tool, install the copy of Windows that I want. And if you're not connected to the internet, if you don't connect to the internet, it will let you go all the way through without signing into Microsoft. And okay. it'll just put that copy of Windows on your computer. All right. Now, you're, you're restricted until you buy a license. You're restricted to, to certain only security Windows updates, no feature updates. And it always has this little watermark at the bottom saying, not activated. Right. Contact Microsoft. But then you can log in to your Microsoft account, link that computer, and buy a license through Microsoft. Yes. Cool. You can do All that. Right. Good deal. 
All right, that's what I, I was also, telling her. That well, should be one way, or she could just buy a buy a copy online. Uh, also, what you can do is you can use a Windows Seven key, call Microsoft, and they will move it to a Windows Ten key. Yeah, I don't know if yeah, she has they, Windows Seven. Yeah, yeah, but there's also there's also a, a website. And I'm trying to find it right now, but I can't. I don't know off the top of my head, um, but there are plenty of discount uh, Windows. You yeah, know, you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful no. of those, though. Ah, I know, no, some, some, some. But even but I have some. Bu- no, I purchased. I purchased a ten different licenses for a Windows ten key from, and I, and I can't remember exactly the name of of the website right now. It's it's it's, it's eluding me, but um, I was able to get the Windows ten license. For cheap. Let me just look real quick here. Windows right. 10. Yeah, see, I, I'm just uh, so was, cautious about that. It was like that. discount. Yeah, I know. I know. I get it. I get it. But um, honestly, I can't I can't find it she right was, now. She but was anyway, actually was like, looking. Was like, she was looking for a Windows 7 key. And I said, I, you can't even buy Windows 7 anymore. I mean, yeah. and it, and what is out there is is incredibly priced. So that's why I said, just go with Windows 10. But maybe we can buy the key online rather than having to wait for it to be shipped. That whole bit and just make it easier. And if that's um, that's going to be the way, um, and she already has a Microsoft account, so she can log on with her uh, username and password, then go ahead and purchase the key, and it would be tied to that, which yeah, would probably you, be the best way. Yeah, you can do that. Now, I, I have to say this. I found it, okay? I got three different licenses just two weeks ago from a website called keysoff.com. Key... Uh, Keys, K-E-Y-S-O-F-F dot com. I purchased three different licenses from them for Windows 10. I activated every single one of them. No problem. They are legitimate licenses. But here's, this is why. This is this is how it works. You're going to say, well, I don't know about that. It's kind of shady, right? Yeah, yeah. What happened? No. What happens is companies buy volume licenses. So that means they get 500 or so. Let's say a 500 licenses, right? Right. They only use 300 of them. They've got 200 licenses that they paid for. Well, they don't have any use for them. So what they do is they sell them to the third market. And the third market is companies like keysoff.com. Or you've got a company that had Windows volume licensing. They went out of business. They've got 1,000 licenses left over. What happens is, is keysoff.com comes and buys those licenses for dirt cheap. Then marks them up a little bit. You're still paying less than retail. I paid... $49.99 per license for Windows 10 versus if you go to Microsoft, it's $99.99. Actually, I saw $129 for, for and that's just for, for, pro. for pro Home. Yeah, so I got the pro I got Windows 10 Pro Home for $49.99, and all three licenses were completely legit. You activated on Windows, boom, Windows said yes, you're an activated license. They are legitimate. I know the whole idea of buying a license. From somebody other than Microsoft, and I, I know people are probably going, Andy, come on! But seriously, this makes me really nervous because there are a lot of scammers out there. Use your credit card if you have a problem, because your credit card company will then refund you if the purchase you made is not legitimate. Don't use your debit card. Don't use a check. Don't use any of that stuff. Use a credit card. Buyer beware too. Just yeah, yeah. be careful about that. Um, speaking of that, have you guys been through Microsoft Update Heck this past week? 
Um, uh, they have been pushing... I have an IT guy that does that for me. <laughs> you are the IT guy. <laughs> no, I'm the IT manager. I have an IT guy that oh, does it for me. <laughs> wait a minute. you got to get your hands dirty. you got to get in there. No way, sir. Uh, I'm Microsoft, now. Microsoft pushed a lot of updates. They had one that came in last Tuesday with the normal breed of, of uh, Tuesday, Tuesday pushes where they, they normally will do your updates on Tuesdays. But then we started seeing some on Monday. And then more what? on Tuesday. Yeah, I actually saw a Cotta Dell laptop that I have in the studio that's uh, provided by a third party, uh, that a company I work for. And that actually was doing a firmware update today. I called the company and I said, huh. hey, are you guys pushing a firmware update? And they're like, no, it's got to be a Wait, Windows what company thing. did you call? What company did you call? I called the company that I work for. Uh, the tech, oh, 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 the oh, tech oh, department. That. Okay, sorry. And I said, because it's remote. And I said, are you guys pushing a firmware update? And they're like, no. And I go, well, it's doing a firmware update. And they said it's got to be Microsoft. They've had a rough week. So I don't know Ooh. if if one of the updates or two of the updates had caused some issues that now we're trying to see other issues are being fixed. Uh either way, it's been it's been kind of a it's been kind of a busy week with Microsoft. I had five users that told me they were having issues with their printer. The printer is not printing after the uh, Windows update. Now, cold rebooting and running the uh, troubleshooter seemed to fix it, but either way, that's something that Maybe somebody doesn't know they're going to have an issue with that. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Apple, I, I, I did not notice. Apple also pushed out uh, their 15.5, and they did this ahead of their Apple Developers Conference, which is uh, is kind of interesting. I, I went ahead and got it. I didn't wait. I said, I'll see. I can't see any change. I haven't noticed anything different about it. But yeah. they're, they're still... I haven't seen any change either because I don't use Apple products. Yeah. Oh. Uh, no. And they say that it's it's got to do with uh, we're going to see changes in our our wallet, which is great. That just means they'll help me spend money um, and some some <laughs> other cosmetic things that we may not even notice. I just want them to fix the battery life. That's all. That's yeah. about it. Which phone do you so, have? That you're having problems with the battery life? Uh, I have the eight eight plus, the iPhone eight plus. I haven't upgraded yet. I have had zero. I, even with my seven plus, I had. I could get easily two days of solid use out of it, right? Do you two days? Wow. Andy, do you do you plug in your phone at night when you go to bed? I have a wireless. I just put it on the wireless. Okay, wireless is different. Okay, because phones are getting smarter now. It's not so much of an issue if you have a top of the line brand new phone, but mm -hmm. older phones. If you plug in your phone at night before you go to bed, and it's like you know on your bed stand or even downstairs plugged in, that's the problem. You're, what you're doing is you're you're charging your battery more than it can possibly take, and then the battery gets less and less capacity because you're fully charging it. Now, if you put it on a wireless charger, you have what they call trickle charging, which only charges it to about 90%, and then it trickle charges that last 10%, so that way you're not fully pushing that whole 120 volts or whatever it is. Well, no, it's not 120 volts, but um, whatever the maximum it can get, you're not pushing that into the phone all the time. Right. It, that's that's the, that's where the problem is. If you keep doing that over and over and over and over again, your battery starts to learn from your habits. And therefore, if you normally plug in your phone at 8 p.m., you're going to find that your phone is now going to have like a 5% battery when it gets to like 8 p.m. because it knows that you're right. kind of, you know, that's about time to charge it. However, if you have one of those wireless chargers where it does a trickle charging, you're going to find that your battery lasts a lot longer throughout the day. If you just plug it in 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, things like that. Right. So, right. Just to yeah. have. So like, like if you're driving to work, you want to make sure you have more than 20 percent. You know, that's exactly that's yeah. the whole thing. All right. We can take yeah. another quick break. We come back. 
Website of the week. Cool thing to Wi-Fi. watch. Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Oh, you want to talk about Wi-Fi? Good, because I got a question for you about Wi-Fi. Okay. All right, okay. we'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Find us on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And Amazon. And Amazon. Sure, why not? <laughs> and now, back to Tech Talk Radio. I want to talk about Wi-Fi. A lot of these newer routers that are coming out, they have these antennas. And a lot of them have like eight antennas that yeah. stick out. And when you when you look at it, it looks kind of like a, a spider on his back, yeah. right? Yeah. You got these antennas pointing in the air. The thing is that people say, well, you know what? I just spent $450 on this new top-of-the-line Wi-Fi router, such as me. I did that. I spent $450 on the Asus router. I'm still getting subpar Wi-Fi coverage through certain areas of my house. And I'm wondering, why, how can that be? Because I don't have the antennas pointed properly. And you have to understand the proper orientation of a Wi-Fi antenna. If the Wi-Fi antenna is pointed straight up, the Wi-Fi signal is going to be propagated completely horizontal to that. So it's going to be going left and right. However, if the Wi-Fi antennas were pointed straight out, like its arms were flat on the ground, the Wi-Fi signal then is going to go top to bottom, up and down. You have to kind of understand, especially with these ones that have like eight antennas, you need to kind of arrange them to point in the different areas of your house. For instance, in mine, mine is in the basement, and I know that's not the best place to do it, but that's unfortunately where I have to put it. I have six antennas pointing straight out, which means the, the signal goes straight up and down because I want that signal to go to the main floor and the upper floors. However, right. I have one antenna pointing, it, the antenna is oriented up and down, so that way the antenna, the signal, excuse me, goes left and right, so that covers my basement. Then I have another antenna that's pointed towards my basement window that then propagates the signal outside to my outside patio where we do outside movie nights and I need Wi-Fi out there. So again, if you get these really nice Wi-Fi routers, you can't just put the antenna straight up and call it a day. You really need to understand the proper orientation of a Wi-Fi antenna. All right, big question here. Now, I've got a friend of mine, Troy, that has a lot of land. He has a Christmas tree farm, and so he has <laughs> Wi-Fi in his home, but he wants that signal to now go out to his acreage. Oh, wow. Is there a way, is there a device that will allow him to be able to yes. do? What would he be using? Honestly, I would. what I would do is I would use the Unify system for microwave, not for Wi-Fi, but microwave dish. Mm -hmm. The microwave dish would then allow him to take that signal a lot farther than Wi-Fi could. And then from where the other receiving microwave dish is, then he can plug in a Wi-Fi wireless access point to then provide Wi-Fi for the local area around that. But for long distances, you're going to need to go into microwave. It's really easy. Ubiquity makes a lot of great consumer and prosumer level equipment to do this. You can just go to Ubiquity. Just Google Ubiquity or go to store.ui.com. And you go into their, um, they've got, uh, even right here, an AirMax light beam, 5 gigahertz transmitter. Yep. That's going to be your point-to-point. -point. It's going to take, take an Ethernet out of your router into this device, convert it to 5 gig, be point-to-point. -point, you're going to receive it on the other end and get Ethernet out. Uh, line it's, of sight, though. Li line of sight, correct. It has to be line, line of sight. Yeah. Or you're going to lose a lot of, I mean, it's, yeah, line of sight is best. You can do some refracting and some bouncing if you're if you're creative, but... Line of sight is ideal, so get that sucker up on your how roof. Much, how much is that going to set him back? So this Air Max light beam is 179 bucks. They have oh. a couple other ones. Uh, they have a couple. You could pay as little or as much as you want. Like I said earlier in the episode, what you pay for what you get. That's it for this week's Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. 
I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin. Let me have yourselves a great week. Find us on techtalkradio.com. Bye-bye.